I work for Canuck Place Children's Hospice, so we do operate 24 seven. Um, so our clinical team do have the ability to self-schedule, which is something that's a real retention attraction piece for us. Um, we don't have a four day work week yet. Um, we do have a couple of flexible options that we've just implemented. Okay. So we're doing uh, nine working days across a two week period, staggered to start and finish times or a half day every Friday instead. So kind of compressed work week. And we're giving people the option of what they want to do. We've already implemented our flexible working times. So do they wanna come in? Which days do they wanna come in? They have to come in four days a week if they've been traditionally working from home from the fall. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hacking HR podcast. The, the topics of mental health and psychological safety, especially all that revolves around what some people call the return to the office or the fact that now we have a new variant of the, of the COVID virus and it's created a lot of uncertainty in the workplace. So all of these topics have become way more important over the past few months since we've been in, in these times of pandemic. And, and as I generally have said, you know, over the past few months, a lot of these challenges that we are dealing with right now, they are not new. It's only that somehow we just uh, either ignored them or neglected them, or we just didn't want to talk about them at work. And now, because we have the science and we have the evidence and we have the, the, the results of not having tackled these challenges before, now we see how much they impact, how much not talking and addressing mental health, how much not talking or addressing psychological safety, how much uncertainties can have an impact in the quality, the, the, uh, the productivity, the performance of the work people are doing uh, in their workplace. So I can't get enough of these conversations. They are so powerful and so important. And I'm hoping that through these conversations, we can continue to shed some light and, and inspire people to take action and to make sure that they are doing the right thing in the workplace. And today we're gonna to be talking about with somebody, about this with somebody who is leading HR in a nonprofit, somebody very passionate about all these topics, very passionate about uh, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we just want to find out what they are doing and how they are doing it. Catherine, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you so much uh, for, for joining me. And I know you guys in your organization have been using this idea of the four-day work week for a while now. And, uh, you know, not a new thing. So, so you know, you, you've been very, you've been at the, at the forefront of these conversations, mental health, psychological safety, and now you are addressing the psychological implications of bringing people back to the office. So how is all this mix, you know, working together? So um, I work for Canuck Place Children's Hospice. So we do operate 24 seven. Um, so our clinical team do have the ability to self-schedule, which is something that's a real retention attraction piece for us. Um, we don't have a four day work week yet. Um, we do have a couple of flexible options that we've just implemented. Okay. So we're doing uh, nine working days across a two week period staggered to start and finish times or a half day every Friday instead. So kind of compressed work week. 
and we're giving people the option of what they want to do. We've already implemented our flexible working time. So do they want to come in? Which days do they want to come in? They have to come in four days a week if they've been traditionally working from home from the fall. So we've had a lot of frontline staff who've obviously come in the whole time. So people like our receptionist, counseling teachers, housekeeping, food services, um, facilities have always been on site. So now we're trying to balance the psychological needs of staff who've been keeping a distance, really limiting the amount of people in the hospices to concentrate on children and families, to people who are now starting to come back into that environment. We also have over 370 volunteers who volunteered with us virtually through this whole time and they're really eager to come back too. So we're gradually implementing a couple of volunteers on site to support the staff because they've been so missed during this period of time as well. Yeah. But I did come from the David Suzuki Foundation, which is an environmental charity, and they led the way because they've always been four days a week. Oh, even wow. For the CEO for the past, I think they've been over coming up to 30 years now. So they've been leading the way from the beginning. That that's that's incredible. And let, let me ask you something, Catherine. You know, when when one of the biggest challenges, which by the way, is not backed by science, but you know, it's one of these things that people talk about when when thinking whether to either implement a four-day work week or to implement all this level of flexibility that you're talking about. So one of those challenges is what's going to happen with productivity? Are we going to continue delivering the value that we, that we are going to deliver? And again, the science says it is possible, but in your in your day-to-day -day experience, what's what have you seen when you when you have sort of designed so much uh, so much uh, flexibility in your workplace, what do you see when it comes to productivity, to performance, to the quality of the work people are doing? So at the David Suzuki Foundation with the four-day work week, we find that it really helped with attraction and retention. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of amazing people that were scientists who then could explore their artistic passion on the fifth day. So they were a lot of artists that we employed wow. as well. So they were <laughs> able to balance those two things. And then we have people who did masters or PhDs on the fifth day, or even were teachers or instructors. So it felt like we were giving back more to the community. Obviously there was an environmental footprint aspect to that as well. It meant that parents could be available for kids on pro D days. They could shift their schedule to go to concerts or sports days. So there's much more of a connection with family. And actually, it was one of the most productive workplaces I've been in because people felt so trusted yeah. to have that four-day work week that often they worked when they didn't have to on the fifth day. And that was actually the biggest problem that we had was trying to stop people doing extra hours rather <laughs> than keeping to the four days to really truly have a four-day work week. And I think the same has happened here. Traditionally, we had a very nine to five structure for those not involved in direct patient care. And then overnight, we had to move to working from home. Our head of technology literally was here a week and suddenly had to transition everybody onto laptops, which he did an amazing job of as a one person team. Wow. And then we found people were even more productive. So we find people were working more hours than they should be, but productivity went through the roof. Our fundraising team, I don't know how they did it. They pivoted, they did all these other events, all those relationships they built up with donors across years really paid off for us. 
So we've only seen staff be more productive and to feel more trusted to do their work. It's not where you do the work, it's how you do the work. And we've really seen that play out here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, one, one thing that I wonder about this, I mean, we've seen this, this increase in productivity basically across the board. And of course, you know, we got a, we got a very difficult situation like COVID and, you know, many folks were looking at other companies, how they were laying off people. And, you know, maybe in the back burner of their brains, they were thinking, you know, I need to make sure that I'm doing the right thing for the, you know, for work so that I don't get fired. Uh, so that, that may be one element that, you know, pushed people a little bit, you know, toward the, towards the upper limit of, of their, you know, of their work. But at the same time, you know, when you look at some other areas, you think, well, now people are not commuting. They are spending time with their families. Now they can craft, even if they are, you know, in at home, you know, working more hours, they can, they can design those, those hours around things that matter in their personal life. So if they want to have lunch or dinner with their families, they don't have, you know, they say, you know what, I'm going to work another set of hours and I'm going to dedicate this time to my family. So all of these elements that, at the end of the day, make people happy, you know, really contribute to them having become more productive and increasing their performance over time. And I Absolutely. think that is so powerful. Or at David Suzuki, we had a number of people um, who dropped their kids off at school, then picked them up, spent the afternoon with them, and then went back online in the evening. Yeah. Because they wanted that time with their family because they were saving hmm. the planet because of their children. Yeah. And working at a hospice, it wasn't really so much about the productivity. Our staff were so inspired by what we do. They didn't want to adversely affect the children and families. So they went all out to make sure the hospice could still function. And they've done such an amazing job. And before all this happened, I think our counseling team was really doing in-person counseling um, for grandparents, siblings, and, and parents. And then there was a virtual aspect to that. So actually we were able to reach out further into the community, which we didn't expect. Our recreation team were doing in-person events and they had to go onto Zoom and do different fun things with the kids and the kids loved it. And we have yeah. a schoolroom as well. And our teachers were actually reaching more children through our schoolroom than the, their own school was able to do yeah. because it was more consistent. So yeah. we actually, find that it benefited in many ways actually going virtually in some aspects yeah absolutely and and i've seen a level of once again you know we we don't want to decrease in any way the tragedy that covid has been yeah but you know on a scale you know there's a tragedy but on the other side there's this boom in creativity you know i i was thinking about that recently because i live in a in a in a rural small town in america and We've, we've had a lot of rain recently and flash floods and the county, which didn't used to do this in the past, now they are doing like Zoom, Zoom calls to inform the community about what's happening, how to protect themselves. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this didn't happen before and it's happening now because first of all, they feel more encouraged to do so and also because they know that the community is more open to that kind of approach for communication because it's what's been happening over the past few months. So I, I gotta say that, you know, I, I didn't want to have this tragedy for all this creativity to boom, but that's that's been the gift of, of all that's happened. Let me ask you something, Catherine, you know, from your past experience, you mentioned the fifth day people were doing their PhD, their masters, painting and doing artistic stuff. 
and you know, there's um one of the companies that has sort of included this in their design is Google. They say, you know, we want you to use 20%, around 20% of your time to do something that may not have anything to do with the work you do, but we know that that 20% in one way or another will reflect back in the work that you do. I wish more companies did that, but how, how did all of the things that people were doing in that fifth day Sort of how they, they how did they how did that impact the work that they were actually doing the, during the rest of the four days? Was it positive? I would say it was incredibly positive because yeah. they felt that both sides of their brain and their personality were being utilized, so yeah. they were complementing each other. Hmm. So if you were looking at hard science and looking at scientific research and in the environmental sector, that can be quite depressing as well. <laughs> But then you had a creative outlet on the fifth day to make furniture or jewelry or paint. It really kept you feeling more positively mentally healthy from those aspects. So we saw a lot of focus during the time they were with us. And then they got that extra time to spend with their family or do something creative. Yeah, I, I love that. You know, and um, I mean, I've worked in places where that's encouraged and I've worked in places where that's actually not only discouraged, it is punished, you know, and um and I was, I was thinking, this is ridiculous because, you know, you don't, you, you are, you're not giving me any, what I'm doing that fifth day or in my, in my free time, I'm paying for that. It's my own time. It's what I'm doing. But all the skills that I'm learning there, when I come back to my, you know, four day or five day work week, whatever it is, I am using what I'm learning into my work. So for you as an organization, it's even more it's 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 like like a no-brainer, so to speak, you know, to let people that level of freedom and to try to find a way to combine what they want to do, those passions, with the skills that they are learning there, with what they do at work. I mean, that that's like a great combination. I mean, I would say at Connect Place, we're probably 95% women as well, uh, mostly parents. So flexibility is vital. I think the trend is saying so many women are being forced to leave the workforce because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. So having that flexibility, also recognizing a lot of people are caring for elder care, yeah. and that traditionally falls on women as well. Yeah. So we really wanted to make sure that our workplace is as flexible as possible to support our employee population too. And I think that's much appreciated. It's all about their families. We're caring for families in the community, but they need to be able to spend time with their family as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Catherine, you know, it's it's always inspiring to hear the stories of what the science says applied in real life and know that it actually works and, and use the stories to inspire other organizations to become more flexible and to give their people more opportunities either by design or, you know, also because, you know, they just, they just want to become more flexible and stop, you know, policing every detail of, you know, employees' lives and just give them that level of freedom. So thank you so much for sharing all of these insights uh, with me and the community, of course. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast. I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.